I invite you to turn with me to the scripture reading for the morning is found in 1 John in the first chapter. 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, right toward the end of the New Testament for the reading of God's Word. We read this portion of God's Word with reverence, seeking understanding and application. As soon as I turn on the, uh, the uh, device, we'll have a little sound, too. I presume that that's better. 1 John, in the first chapter, beginning with verse 1. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. And this is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. Thus ends this reading of God's Word. Let us pray, asking His blessing of application of these truths to our lives. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Son, and Spirit, we have read what You have given, and we, by Your blessing, seek the application. Would You, sir, Spirit of God, choose to make that application in our lives that we might be more like the Savior? For we ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord. The title I give to this little section for our thought for a few minutes is this. Fellowship and repentance equals joy. How were you in math all those days ago? Math was not my specialty. I did okay, but those science things just weren't where I, I had uh, my proficiencies. Math, okay. Literature, history, I tend to do a little bit better. Taking logic all those years ago, too. Oh, oh, logic, math. One plus one equal two. Well, it's fundamentally true, isn't it, so far? One plus one equals two. In math, we come to appropriate conclusions, don't we? 
and experience, it seems to be a little bit different. And you say, Bebo, you're asking us to believe that you're saying that we bring these two concepts together and we will have a result. It's called joy. Well, see what you think in a few minutes if Paul, if, uh, Paul, if John is really saying these things. Because he mentions fellowship a number of times. He mentions repentance. And he mentions joy. See what you think. Although this seems to have been an unsigned letter, it can be by no one other than the Apostle John. He wrote it by God's direction for our spiritual well-being. We know also that, as one man said, he is attempting to confirm in their steadfast adherence to the Lord Jesus Christ and the sacred doctrines concerning his person and office against any other seducers, against anybody else who would try to lay wrong claims before the body of Christ. John is offering arguments to us, Bible arguments, to confirm us in the faith. And we notice in this first little section, much is said about fellowship, much is said about joy, much is said about repentance, fellowship, repentance, joy. Think with me just for a little bit about what fellowship must really be. A definition. The basic idea of fellowship, one of those words that even though we did Greek a long time ago, we can still say a word that equals fellowship. Even though you didn't do Greek, you still heard that word so many times through the years. That fellowship, that koinonia, we say. Having things in common or partnership or sharing. At times it was used of business affairs. But what John is saying here in this passage is that we have fellowship. We have fellowship because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have fellowship in Him. And consequently, we have fellowship with each other. Because of that vertical relationship, we also have the horizontal relationship of fellowship with each other. Christian fellowship is sharing in Jesus Christ. It is sharing because of His accomplished redemption and applied redemption, because of the work, the mighty work of the Lord Jesus. We are in Him. It's a famous phrase. It's a Bible phrase. It's a New Testament expression to be in Christ. We share in His sufferings. We share in the benefits of His accomplishment of bearing our sins so that there is no further guilt whatsoever. Our person is in Christ, and incidentally, our performance is in Christ. What does it mean? It means that God sees us through Jesus Christ, and also God sees our performance in Jesus Christ. Sixteenth chapter of the Westminster Confession is my favorite. I may have said it before just because I say it all the time. Of good works. And in that chapter from the 17th century, we read, we understand, they say it very clearly, that anything and everything I do this side of heaven is tainted with bad motives, mixed motives. But here's the secret. Being in Christ, being in fellowship with Christ, 
we are perceived even in our performance in Him. What does it mean? It means that as much as you're sitting here intentionally having very good, in, very good motives in the midst of hearing some expression of God's Word, your mind wanders. It wanders far afield. But you're in Christ. There's fellowship with Christ because of His sacrifice for you and for me, your person and your performance with the Father and with the Son and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does John say? What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are believers. We have fellowship. We share in the benefits of His work in our behalf. John sets forth marks that describe this fellowship to us also. He explains to us that because of the fellowship that we have here, we have the fellowship here. We are the body of believers. These three themes, that is righteousness, that is brotherly love, that is faith in Christ, they are themes through this passage. These themes are throughout the letter that John writes in 1 John. He is loving us in our fellowship with Jesus. He is loving us toward more obedience to Christ because of that fellowship. Well, think first in the equation that he says it many times, doesn't it? He says we have fellowship. We have fellowship with Him. We have fellowship with one another. And he tells us, secondly, about repentance. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repentance. You're to be repentant. <laughs> if you were to ask some of the major characteristics of Main Street Presbyterian Church, I doubt that you or I would say it is we're marked by repentance. We're from First Church Jackson. People from First Church Jackson, we're at the top of the heap. <laughs> we're the big church. I would say if you were to list characteristics of First Church in Jackson, you would not say that repentance is one of the marks of First Church Jackson or of you or of me. When is the last time that you have heard a confession of sin in the church? If we confess our sins, but what does real repentance look like? This past Tuesday we had a, a very difficult situation in Presbytery and there was a question being asked amidst the uh, discussion. What does repentance look like? Does repentance look like saying, I'm sorry, no. And in the Presbytery discussion, 
it was labored to say that repentance is demonstrated over time. Short of Catechism says in number 87, repentance unto life is a saving grace. It's not described as a saving work. Whereby a sinner out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Grace given gives repentance. Repentance is not conjured up, but repentance is a demonstration of the work of God in your life. Acts 2.37 Now when they heard this, they were pierced in their heart and said unto Peter, and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Jesus came preaching His first sermon, Repent ye and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Joel 2 Therefore also now, said the Lord, turn you even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Repent. Repent. Jeremiah 3. Return you backsliding children and I will heal your backsliding. It is the business of a believer to be living out repentance between now and the time the Lord takes us. Is repentance a characteristic of your Christian life? And God is the giver of forgiveness. Faithful and just is He in forgiving. God is faithful to His covenant and His Word, wherein He has promised forgiveness to the really repentant, penitent sinner claiming Christ only. Do you flee to the Lord for forgiveness? Do you ever experience any sense of guilt? I'm old. I grew up in a time when I think we, 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 we may have exaggerated guilt a bit. I don't know. But I don't hear much preaching, do you, of the benefit of a sense of guilt. And consequently, if we don't have a sense of guilt that is a sense of wrongdoing, how could we have a sense of repentance? Main Street Presbyterian Church, Columbus, Mississippi, the perfect church, made up of the perfect people. No, we're a band of brothers and sisters throwing ourselves on the cross of Christ continually, 
without hesitation and without reservation because real repentance is a saving grace. It is a demonstration of God being at work in your life. Is the demo there? Let's be serious with each other. How embarrassed am I, would I be, were you to observe whether these mannerisms, Christian mannerisms, demonstrations of the grace of God are apparent in my life? Fellowship. We sort of get it, don't we? Don't we sort of get it? Repentance, we don't sort of get it, do we? We don't sort of get it. But then John brings up another little concept for us. Well, it's not a QED, it is proven, is it? It's not a mathematical formula, is it? But it is an experiential truism that when we have real fellowship with Jesus Christ through the work of the Spirit of God in us and we have genuine repentance, we get to point number three in the thought as I look at some of what John is saying in this little passage, we come to real joy. Look at what he says in verse 4. And these things we write that our joy may be full and complete and that we have fellowship and that we have joy also in the Lord. John acknowledges that the purpose of his writing this letter to the church is that our joy may be made complete. St. Augustine 354 through 430. St. Augustine one of the big ones in church history. St. Augustine once wrote that joy is of the essence of Christianity. Really? <laughs> We're demonstrating joy to all those around us because of our hope in Christ. I think I said before in this pulpit that I've just about given up on the news. Have you about given up on the news? I get tired of hearing all of the bad things. Do you get tired of hearing all the bad things? I get really encouraged when there are joyful Christians around me. Godliness is encouraged when God's people are with anticipation looking forward to the outworking of God's providence in their lives. Is it a gospel of happy, happy, happy all the time? No. But it is a gospel of serene confidence that whatever my God ordains is right. Yes, we're getting older, aren't we? Do you feel older? I do. Some of these people in here don't feel old at all because they're not. And yes, I've, I find myself more doctor attentive than I've ever been in the past. 
my older brother, I, I think I'm having to take him to the doctor every week now. Can Christians have joy in the midst of the maladies of life? Absolutely we can have joy because of being in Christ. One man said, the fear of God does not bring to the Christian gloomy self-denial and renouncing of the world as if the Christian life consisted solely in the suppression of ardent desires and want, but in joys which he experiences. Paul said in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Delight in the Lord's creating, preserving, overruling, pardoning, atoning, glorifying. John, John 3, verse 2. Love is the Christian's duty in all of life that we abide in the joy of Christ by abiding in Him. One man said, Christian joy is from its very nature the highest joy. Because God is the, is the source. I can take it. You can take it. We can take it. We can deal with it. Because He gives us a confidence in His providence. His holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. Can I make a small little application here? You probably have noticed that you don't have a senior pastor in place. Did you notice that? I noticed it. <laughs> and it's been a little while, hasn't it? I noticed that too. But you know what? It seems to me, in my casual observa observations from some distance away, that the Lord continues to bless this congregation. I've seen them stumble. But I'm not overwhelmed with the stumbling of Main Street Presbyterian Church. We are joyful survivors in the midst of somewhat unusual times, aren't we? Joy is of the nature. Joy is of the nature of God's blessing. God is a source. It aims at the eternal salvation of our souls. This joy, this faith can be enlivened by our devotion to the Lord. It exists for all without exceptions. We're joyful people. Spurgeon said that the secret is with them that fear Him, and their joy no man taketh from them. Spurgeon said... We should remind you of the proverb, still waters run deep. The brook rushing over the stones dries up on summer, but the deep river flows uniformly along its fresh nets. Or in heat and drought, and yet glides calmly through the fields. He's saying, stable people in Christ face life with confidence and joy because of God's gracious bringing fellowship, repentance, and real 
staying confidence in Him. There are obstacles to joy, aren't they? Aren't there? No fellowship with God means no real fellowship with other believers. Right, right. Are we people of the Word? Are we people of worship? Are we people of fellowship with believers? My observation through the years has been this, that uh, you can tell when a person begins to struggle a bit more and a, and a bit more. Attendance becomes lackadaisical. Being around Christian folk becomes uh, not, the, not, not, the, not, not what it used to be. Just recently talking to a friend who said he had to give up some old friends because they were nothing other than an obstacle to his relationship with the Lord. It doesn't mean we pull away from the world, but it does mean that we are protecting our spiritual well-being even though others at times may try to undermine it. And when a person becomes uh, a bit lackadaisical about worship. You know what else is going on? He's a bit, bit lackadaisical about reading God's Word. And he's about, he, he's, he's not as uh, prayerfully cons concerned that re concerning that relationship as he has been in the past either. When horizontal fellowship begins to weaken, so does vertical relationship tend to weaken. Such a person finds himself not being characterized as being in Christ. Such a person is not enjoying fellowship with God in prayer, in the Word, in worship. Such a person is not benefiting from each other's gifts and graces. Westminster Confession of Faith, 20, chapter 26, you ought to read it. You ought to read it. You ought to read it. Because it describes what normal Christian living should be like. Lack of repentance is an obstacle to joy. Lack of fellowship is an obstacle to real joy. In response, John says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteousness, the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins. Well, Bebo, wrap it up. Let's see how it wraps up. It wraps up like this, at least in my estimation. Christian living is not built on equations. One cannot demonstrate a cause and effect relationship, uh, re relationship in human experience, but as John is telling us, habitual spiritual living brings real confidence in God, joy in living, and real fellowship with other people. How's it going? How's it going with you? Let me point my finger at myself first, but let me point my finger at you too. How's it going? How's it happening with you? 
Are you in the Word? Are you in prayer? Are you in worship? Are you in fellowship? Are you repentant? What's it like? I might say to prepare yourself for the difficulties of the future. It seems as though John is saying that there are two mighty powerful ingredients. Fellowship with God and with others. Repentance of sin by which God has promised that He will forgive you and He will dump down His grace out of heaven. You believe Him? Let's pray. Almighty God in heaven, God of earth, God of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, would you grant to us the outworking of spiritual truths that we find in your word? For we claim only the merit of our Lord Jesus Christ and grace that comes tumbling down from heaven as a result. In His name we pray. Amen. Let us stand as we sing our concluding hymn, number 495. No, not despairingly.